Today on the Arts Report, we are back on air to bring you the Shambhala 2011 review special. We'll talk to artists like Break Fluid and Joshua James. We'll also play music by Datsik, uh, Skrillex, and Bass Nectar. We'll also be talking about drugs, as, as we love to do here, and, uh, and lots more. So stay with us for the Shambhala review special. Welcome to the Arts Report for Wednesday, August the 10th, 2011. My name is Adam Janusz, and this is, uh, yes, this is the Arts Report on CITR 11.9 FM, and we're streaming online at citr.ca as well. Man, it's been quite uh, a week for me, uh, because I was at Shambhala 2011. It started last uh, week. It kicked off on Thursday and uh, lasted until uh, the early morning, bright, sunny hours of, uh, of Monday of this week. And, uh, and I had a good time. You can hear from my voice. Unlike last year, I did not come down with Shambhalitis, which is, uh, which is a relief. I was, uh, I was a little bit more responsible than uh, perhaps uh, previous years, and I, uh, I behaved myself. Um, I will let you use your imagination as to what that means. And uh, but but yeah, it was a it was a fantastic festival as always, bigger bigger than it's ever been. Uh, they sold out uh, months before the actual festival began, which is a which is a record for them and surely a sign of of something. Either there the the popularity of the festival or or dance music in general or both perhaps uh, coinciding at the same time but for whatever, whatever reason it was the biggest year at Shambhala yet and uh, it was a pleasure to be there but you know it was it was more than a pleasure it was like it, it became it's become like an addiction and uh, and uh, I just I don't know I don't know if I can I can go on with with the show I mean uh, okay let's just okay I'm just gonna take a take a breath here uh, before we get into that, let's let's uh, let's let's talk about uh, the last uh, few weeks. Anna has been uh, filling in for the month of July and uh, been playing music uh, while I've been away for those months. So, uh, Anna, thanks uh, thanks for doing that. How uh, how was how was that? Terrifying. <laughs> in one word. But I'm grateful. Uh, good. Well, I, it was a lot of fun, I think. And uh, last week you were also helping Nick out. Nick was our fill-in host for for last week. He'll be back again in a little while. How did uh, How did he do? Much better. Much better than what? Then no, no. <laughs> uh, just good. Not as good as you. Okay. I've never ever. No, you're the best. That's the correct yeah. answer. Yeah. Yeah. I've learned. <laughs> uh, good. All right. Well, um, I guess I guess we have to go on with the show. But honestly, this this withdrawal let's call it Shambhala withdrawal that I'm feeling. And and I've looked it up on on Twitter. There are a lot of people out there who went to the festival, had such a good time, um, saw so much great music, um, danced their faces off, uh, met some incredible uh, beautiful strangers, and now they have to go back into the real real world and have jobs. And they can't function in the real world. And I have to admit, I'm one of those people. I, I, I don't think I can do it. You're going back now? Uh, going back now what? To the good news? You're going uh, I'm just, I think I'm just going to go. Right now? Right now. So I am taking over the show. Yes. Can, can you do can that? Can I call Nick? Whoa. 
All right, that's it. We're doing this show. We're doing this thing. It's on. All right. The Shambhala Review Special Show is about to begin. And, um, and we're going to start with an interview by this artist named uh, Break Fluid. But uh, as, a, as a setup for this interview... Um, you know, Shambhala Withdrawal that I just mentioned about is, is a perfect segue to this interview because this guy, Break Fluid, he lives in Nelson. So he's an example of, of, of the kind of people that I met out there, which is to say, like, incredibly open, warm. You know, when, when you meet people from, from that area, from the Kootenays, from Nelson, when you talk to them at Shambhala, they just, they look at you with their full attention they look deep into your eyes, and you feel like they're really listening, which you don't always get from city folk. And um, and Break Fluid was one such artist, and he was he was a pleasure to to talk to, and was super easygoing, and and he exemplified the kind of um, just culture, let's call it the culture of Shambhala, that was really for me the biggest highlight of the festival was how. Um, you could come from any part of, you could come from BC, you could come from Alberta, you could be a dreadlock hippie or, um, you know, a truck driving raver dude from Alberta. It didn't matter. You could all come together and you could all be in peace listening to, to this music. And, and that's really the biggest thing I take away from that festival was this, this, that incredible, that incredible feeling and culture. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep that alive. So hopefully for the next hour, you, you'll, you'll learn, you'll, you'll come to see what I mean. If you, if you didn't go to Shambhala and if you did go to Shambhala, hopefully you can you can fight your withdrawal by uh, by living through uh, again some of, some of the magic that w- that we had at Shambhala. So, anyway, I interviewed uh, this artist Break Fluid. He played on Thursday uh, at this one particular venue uh, called the Living Room. So this was basically at the beach of a river, and they had the stage set up right by the water, so people could either boogie down on the sand or they could just kind of walk down a little bit and put their feet in the water and listen to the amazing music just just by just by you know just by laying there on the sand and just tripping out and having a good time. Um, so. Break Fluid is originally from Edmonton, but he's been living in Nelson for a while, and, and that's where he's been growing his reputation for, for years. And he, was, uh, he actually opened uh, Shambhala in 2008, which was a huge honor for him. So in our interview, we, we talked about uh, his, his progression sort of stylistically because he's known for fusion. He's known for mixing different styles, different tempos, and he talks about why, why he does that and why that's important to him. We also get to the heart of this Nelson culture thing he, from his point of view. Uh, we also um, talk about the phrase down tempo or the label down tempo and how um, when he got called a down tempo DJ, it uh, didn't make him feel so hot. Not, not a good feeling to be called, labeled a down tempo DJ. We'll figure out why. But first, uh, I asked him, what is Shambhala to you? Is it just another gig or is it like the most awesome gig of all time? So here is Break Fluid. It's basically one of the only gigs I get nervous for. Is that right? For sure. Yeah, like... It's uh, it's the best sound, it's the best stage. Yeah. All the stages are awesome. It's the most people. It's just yeah, the a, living room is a is a pretty unique stage, right? Because you have that beachfront property. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's it's a pla- it, To me, the beach is a place where people can kind of like maybe get away from the rest of the party. Yeah. yeah. Like. It's awesome. The rest of the party is a great place to party at and and have a good time. But I always feel like I find myself coming to the beach just to like kind of get away. Yeah, yeah. A little bit more chill beats and stuff for sure. Time out. Yeah, exactly. The madness. Yeah, the yeah. Because I'm I'm 34 and I I just feel like I need a place to relax and 
I can go there and really relax. You've, you've been a, you've been doing this for, for 16 years, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm just kind of curious, what's um, like, what kind of what what keeps you excited um, about what you do? I mean, um, you know, I'm sure your style has changed. I'm sure it's evolved over the years. No. Um, it's funny. Like my roots are in hip hop. That's that's when I was. 14 years old to 17 years old I was loving the hip hop and that's basically where the roots of my music come from is hip hop and I just I I just basically love um, all kinds of music well well produced music and I just happen to have a history with hip hop and you can kind of feel it in my music but so that's where you came from, and, uh, but I wonder now, what's, what's, uh, just give me one small example of, is it a certain track you, you've heard recently that gets you excited? Is it some new equipment? Like, no, what, what gets you, like, see, this, this is a thing. Equipment really does nothing for me. Like, I, I've always considered myself, I, I'm not a tricky DJ. I'm not going to wow you with equipment yeah, or, or skills, of, yeah. but what I would rather do is wow you with just awesome music instead. And so... Every every day, every week, every month, I'm just searching for music every day, and I just there's just so much awesome music being made yeah. every day yeah. that I just want to be the first to get it. I want to be the first to share it with people, yeah. basically. And you're quite known for the sort of diversity of your yeah, of your tracks, absolutely. and so I find DJs can be pretty like um, single dimensional, yeah. where they'll play one style one bpm only and for me i feel like as soon as i like eliminate genres from my set it's like i could play just hip-hop or i could play just dub and reggae or i could play breaks and hip-hop singly or i just feel like instead why not play all of it at the same time yeah because like i i love moving from from like I love reggae and I love dub and I love starting with reggae and dub it's so chill and awesome and fun and then I just love like moving through the through the tempos and just playing all of it yeah. it's it's one of my favorite things because it's really challenged me as a DJ to yeah. be able to play numerous genres instead of a single genre yeah. and that's that's that's, that's what it is for you. That's, that's what that's what gets you up in the yeah, morning is that idea for of sure. how am I going to mix this type of music yeah that and when I when I go and search on the net and I find new tracks it's like I find a track and just because it's uh, it's this playing. genre at 100 BPMs or it's this genre at 85 or it's this genre at 115 yeah. instead of being like wow I wish I could play that I just want to pl- I'll play yeah, it like, I will play I want to play every single track that I find <laughs> exactly like tell me about the, the, the culture, the vibe that, that you're sort of surround yourself with. Nelson's awesome. I just feel like I'm surrounded in a place where making money is not the main interest, but you know, just being comfortable with who you are and sharing your love with people every single day. Like I, when I walk down the street, I I wanna I wanna share my warmth with people, and I feel like it's the same thing for a lot of people who live there. Yeah. And that's ba- that's basically it. There's a lot of people wanting to share their love with you in yeah. Nelson. And do you think that makes a difference in your music? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Like, um, in in the big centers, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, you can there. You know, dance music is 
so many things. Yeah. But it can be, uh, you know, like where, where dance music can only be considered like fast music. Yeah. I kind of struggled with that. Like people, when I lived in Edmonton, people considered me a down tempo DJ. Right. And that, and that kind of hurts my feelings. And I do play music that's slower, but... But why did it hurt your feelings? Was it just because it was a label of any kind? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they they, they, like they, they they think of me as a person that plays only chill music, but it's so not true. And it was really hard for me to play uh, clubs and and parties, dance parties or whatever, because people considered me a, like a downtown DJ because my music, the tempo of my music was slower yeah. Than house music yeah. or drum and bass or whatever, and so people think that because it's a hundred and not a hundred and eighty or a hundred and twenty, that it's not dance music, and that's what I've been here to do is just let people know that dance music comes from all tempos. Mm. All speaking of dance music, uh, this festival is having quite like an explosive uh, thing happen into it. Um, it's sold out faster than it ever has. Yeah. And the organizers say they attribute that to just the rise in, in electronic music in general. And right. they're saying that it's the music that's getting bigger and bigger. So the festival is getting bigger and bigger. Do you, do you get that feeling too? Do you, For sure. You know, great? yeah, definitely. Like th this year uh, sold out the fastest ever. And I can understand, you know, the music definitely helped, but just being in the Kootenays in this vibe it doesn't happen anywhere else in the world and I think that attributes a lot to it it's it's this farm yeah it is and it's this it's amazing being, hippie yeah. thing where everyone just wants to say hi and yes. You know, happy shams, and, you know? And mean it. And they, Exactly. That's what, honestly, it almost weirds me out how genuine people are. It's yeah. like, it kind of shakes you out of your... I know, sometimes sometimes when people pass me, they're like, happy shambalar, or whatever they say. And sometimes it can feel a little bit fake or whatever. But for the most part, basically anyone who passes your path wants to just, like, share a happy vibe with you. And that's basically the reason why I started coming here in the first place even before I started playing I just loved coming here and I could come and hang out with my friends and chill out and do whatever we wanted and everyone lets me do what I want and everyone can do what the hell they want that's 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 my favorite part of this party well you keep doing that yeah I love it <laughs> thanks a lot man. awesome man and that's Break Fluid who performed at the Shambhala Music Festival on Thursday in the living rooms stage so uh, we've still got tons of uh, content for you on the Shambhala 2011 review special. But um, before we get on with the rest of the show, we thought we'd play a little bit of Break Fluid. So uh, this is part of his set. I think this was the last track that he played before, uh, before he got off the stage and, and on to our interview thing. And there it is coming up right now. So uh, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit about the, uh, the fashion at Shambhala. And we'll also hear from uh, Datsik. So stay with us. Energy, I love, give me wings. Now the moon is right, 
Become a friend of CITR and receive great discounts at businesses around Vancouver. Your friends of CITR card will net you discounts on Commercial Drive at Audio Pile, Bone Rattle Music, High Life Records, and the People's Co-op Bookstore. You'll also save online at Band March Canada and Big Mama. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or visit us online at citr.ca. You're listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM and we're streaming online at citr.ca for uh, the next 40 minutes or so. We are doing the Shambhala 2011 review special and uh, one thing about Shambhala is uh, is the fashions or the or the crazy trends you see on the let's say let's say the streets of Shambhala because it is a it is a camping festival where you um, you live there for a week you set up it's a tent city like literally a tent city of ten thousand I think it was over twelve thousand people this year and uh, yeah which is larger than the city of Nelson. So you see quite a lot of strange things. Everything from like uh, green man outfits studded with glow sticks to um, uh, mascot, uh, you know, suits of every kind of bear and rabbit and squirrel that you can imagine to um, to just hipsters uh, letting their their hipsterness, uh, you know be in full glory. So you have these like massive mustaches that are just completely inappropriate in common society, but they are just they're just there. Um, there's um, oh and then there's boobs. This is true as well. There's a lot of uh, a lot of young women who want to let their um, boobies free. For lack of a better term, some of them are just shirtless. Others use body paint to um, uh, to accentuate their chests. Um, others, one one woman I, I saw had a giant uh, novelty sized sunglasses and had each of her breasts poking out of the giant novelty sunglasses like eyes. And then she used her belly button as a as a mouth. And basically, her chest was like a giant face. Uh, that one was a little creepy, um, I have to say, but. But just very interesting stuff. If, I, if that point isn't coming across, I don't know how else to make it. But it was very interesting um, to see that. Now, um, but of course, Shambhala is not about the fashion. It's about the music, electronic music. And, in, and a particular kind of electronic music uh, predominates at Shambhala, and that is dubstep, also known as Womp Womp. Um, yeah, womp womp music, uh, which, you know, n- isn't for everybody, but uh, definitely you can't be at Shambhala unless you are okay with um, the womp womp or the, the dubstep. And um, we, have a, we have, if you don't know, if you're completely uh, green to what this kind of music is, we're going to play a little bit for you so you understand. Uh, this is Datsik, and this track is called Nukem. So this gives you an idea of, of the bass. Motherfucker. 
All right, and that's Datsik with Nukem. Okay, so you understand that uh, the dubstep is all about the bass. Um, but I want to play for you. Now, here, here's the thing you have to understand. The speakers they have by this company called PK um, are so incredibly powerful that you could use them in war to um, torture your enemy. Um, these are incredibly powerful speakers. And when you live on the festival grounds, you just have to get used to the fact that you will constantly be rumbling even if you know four o'clock in the morning when you're going to sleep well some people don't ever sleep but let's say let's let's theorize that you're going to sleep at four o'clock in the morning you just have to put your head on the pillow and realize that it's going to be all night long um even if you go to the porta potty even if you think i'm going to close this porta potty and i'm going to have a minute of damn silence and peace in here no this is what you will hear if you go to a porta potty at chabla do we have that clip? I think so. First of all, tell us your name. No. Kayla. That's Kayla. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I think I did promise to play Kayla first. My mistake. Damn. Uh, hey, I'm going through Shambhala withdrawal right now, and I can't be trusted to follow the rules, okay? We don't follow rules at Shambhala, okay? We, follow, we make our own rules. What's the clip, then? Uh, the clip is um, Sound of Bass. Oh. Number five. In potty. <laughs> All right, all right. So this is like I was saying. This is uh, when you go to the potty and uh, think you have some peace. You do not. So what's happening here is that the little air vents at the top of the porta potty are actually shaking. They're actually like shaking, like like windows in a storm. Um, and it's actually quite terrifying if you're in there, like, sitting there trying to have a quiet poo, and, like, the whole porta potty sounds like it's about to explode. Um, it can be quite terrifying. So, um, yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, we, we've got to play our next clip, but, um, but we have tons of more uh, Shambhala coverage for you. Uh, what's the next thing we got on the, on the list before I get yelled at? We're not following the list. Oh, no, we're not following the list. Um, let's do the marriage at Shambhala. Can we do that? Okay, so um, on one of the days of the festival, they actually had a wedding. And this was awesome because this was a couple that, that became, met, or either met or became engaged, uh, know, she'll tell us in a minute, um, at Shambhala. And they just love the festival so much. And that vibe that we've been talking about on the show, this amazing, um, this amazing free, loving vibe that they have there, they loved it so much that they decided, hey, we're just going to come to Shambhala and, and have a wedding out here. So uh, let's hear that interview. Okay, so uh, I'm here on uh, Friday. Is it today at, uh, at Shambhala? And I'm here speaking to Letitia Bennett. And Letitia is getting married here on site. Um, how did you come to decide to get married at Shambhala? Uh, I came to decide to get married at Shambhala because uh, three years ago, my very first Shambhala, um, I met my fiance, Andy, and uh, we kind of made it official on the Friday. And we got engaged last year on this day, and we decided to get married on the same day, just because, like, I'm a strong believer in numerology, and okay. it's just a very special day, and right. we're getting married on that day, so yeah. And, um, and, and why is Shambhala a special place to you? Why not just a church or uh, a nice field or something? Why Shambhala? Because it means so much. Like, it's... Um, I was having a hard time with my love life, uh, and I think I was single for about two years. And uh, 
And there's so many moments like where I tried to come to Shambhala, but it just, just it just wasn't meant to be. And then I came here, and then it's like Shambhala, right? There's so much meaning behind Shambhala, and I found my soulmate, right? So it means so much for us to get married here, just because it's such a magical place, and the labyrinth is so powerful, it's spiritual. And it's where all our friends are too. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit about the actual wedding. Um, take us through what's what's going to be happening. Okay, so it's like a collaboration of love in a sense. There's all these uh, different vendors that are involved. Kelsey's creations, um, dropping forms, designs, Tessa Rand, uh, Monster, Jenny Monster. So uh, a whole bunch of collaborative efforts from all the um, the vendors and Sobe Wing. Um, and Sobe Wing, uh, Rites of Passage ceremony kind of speaker, is doing the ceremony in the labyrinth. And we've got DJs all involved, and the whole labyrinth is involved. It's a pretty big thing. It's going to be pretty epic. Pretty epic. Yeah. And this is all open to, to everybody. Everybody, yeah. Everybody why, why did you want to do that? Just because, so honestly, like I almost, we want to build a little shrine in the labyrinth. Probably next year it'll be like two little owls. Just because we hope that everybody else can find that Shambhala love too. So you're so, kind of hoping to kind of spread the love yeah, energy? Show them that you can find true love here. And it's all about the love. It should be all about the love. Cool. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's all about the love at Shambhala. And this is such a big reason for my withdrawal right now. It's like, where is the love in this stupid city? Uh, everybody just walks around. They're so miserable out here and it's cloudy. It was always sunny out there. Anyway, um, to help me deal with my withdrawal symptoms is uh, Rhett. Hello, Rhett. Hello. So you uh, were at Chambala. Yeah, I just got back. I did a Base Coast project just before, so I've had quite the week and a half of experiences. Nice. And uh, you are a huge dubstep fan. Uh, yes, huge bass music fan. Nice. Um, what is the appeal to you? Because uh, I can't communicate my own uh, love of, ba- of, uh, of dubstep because I don't have any. Myself. Well, you were talking earlier about PK Sound and how uh, the sound system is uh, incomparable to anything else. And the key about the system is that it makes bass so low that you can feel it. Yeah. And that is why I love the music. Because when I stand in front of those towers of subwoofers, I feel the music. Nice. Oh, well, it's pretty intense. Yeah, so that's what it's about. It's about like the, like normal dance music where it's like yep. you're listening to the beat and you're listening to the mm-hmm. amazing track, but you're also feeling the music mm-hmm. and that's what gets you amped. Yep. Got it. That's me. All right, gotcha. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> now, uh, you've got a show here at CITR. Yeah, it's uh, called The Basement every Friday night starting at 9 o'clock. Uh, I also have a podcast on iTunes called Van City Drop which is uh, highlighting all of Vancouver's emergency, uh, emergency producers, no, emerging producers, uh, <laughs> as, well as, emergency. Yeah, as well as international ones that I've stumbled upon across yep. the globe, Belgium, etc. Um, and we'd like to finish with a half-hour mix from uh, oh, nice. various DJs around the world. The next one coming up is by Neon Steve on the island. So yeah, very exciting. So is your show going to be, you're obviously going to be talking a little bit about Shambhala. Yeah, I plan to mention Shambhala. Well, what do you take from it? What's, um, what's inspired you for your show from Shambhala? Um, well, the feeling at Shambhala is unlike any other. The love is just on, in the air for the whole five days. And considering that, um, well... At Shambhala, the highlight is the cheers. And what happens... (laughs) The woo waves. The woo waves. And what happens is one crazy person decides to scream 
at the top of their vocal, or at the highest level their vocal cords will allow them. <laughs> and then the crazy person standing next to them will continue to scream, and so on and so on, to the point where Tent City, yeah. this huge, vast land of tents, is a big woo wave, yeah. so as basically, you said, of screams. Let's say like it's three kilometers from one yeah. edge of, of the Camp City, Tent City, to the other, and you just hear this you wave hear of You hear the first kilometer, then the second <laughs> kilometer, and then it gets to you, and then you start screaming, and then the next. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, awesome. You really do feel the love, hey? Yeah, love. All right, well, we're going to take a short break, and uh, by the way, are you in Shambhala withdrawal as well? I am. Uh, it was a terrible uh, Monday morning. Yeah. It, was, it was so uh, terrible, waiting in the lineup to get get home, and then waking up Tuesday morning and having to take the bus. Oh. Uh, Why couldn't I just walk around in bare feet again? <sighs> All right, we're going to have a little cry here, uh, Rhett and I, <laughs> but in the meantime, we're going to play PSA, and we'll be back with the Shambhala 2011 show. <laughs> Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. And we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 11.9 FM and streaming online at citr.ca. For another half an hour, we are having a Shambhala 2011 review special. And uh, now let's turn to an aspect of the festival that, um, on the one hand, cannot be denied because it is it is present. It is there. People are doing it. Um, it's 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 everywhere. But on the other hand, a part of the festival that really shouldn't overshadow everything else. And, and you'll hear that from people. We, you'll hear that from another interview. Another DJ, Joshua James, will, will tell you about it. Anyway, I'm talking about drugs. Yes, drugs. So we all know that it happens at any, any large festival. And of course, we know that it happens at raves. So if you have a sort of rave festival that Shambhala basically is, you know it's going to happen. Um, but at the same time, it's never, when you're there, it's never, uh, I don't want to say a big deal, but it's never something that it's like, whoa, I'm really screwed up. Are you really screwed up? Yeah, me too. Whoa, we're both so screwed up. It's like, it's not something you glory on. You don't gloat about it. You don't, sometimes you don't even talk about it. You don't, you don't ask like, oh, are you on drugs too, man? Like you just, it's, it's, it's just something that's, that's part of it, like breathing and, and it's almost you're just allowed to to express yourself as you as you choose to, and it's and really in that respect, it's not a big deal. And it really is about the music, and it really is about the culture of Shambhala much more than than the drugs. But drugs are there, so obviously a lot of interesting questions get raised, such as what's what's hot this year on the market, you know, um, being. Uh, Salmo is where the Shambhala takes place, and and Salmo being in between Vancouver and Calgary, probably closer to Calgary, you know, that's two major centers where drugs can come from. And let's face it, um, there's going to be drug dealers in those big cities who know that there's going to be 10,000 people camping, and they're going to want stuff to do. They're going to want some substances to indulge in. So obviously, it's a big, big there's going to be big demand and a huge market, and everybody expects to pay festival prices. So dollar signs for drug dealers. 
And of course, police know this too, don't they? Police know that uh, that it's coming. So there was certainly a lot of road checks, and there was certainly a lot of um, raids. Let's say uh, my friends camp uh, the tent right beside them. You know, the police swooped in um, with you know their SWAT team basically, and they tore apart these people's tents. They ripped apart their cars. And um, and from what I understand, a lot of drugs were were seized at uh, at Shambhala. So uh, so let's talk about drugs. And who better to talk about drugs than Jamie Macbeth, who is with an organization in the Kootenays called Anchors. And Anchors um, is is primarily focused on harm reduction. So what they do is do things like needle exchanges. They um, they they give out condoms, but they also do things like educational, uh, you know, they do classes, they go to schools, and they talk about um, safe sex and uh, safe drug use and, and that kind of stuff. So that's what they do out there in the, in the Kootenays. And, um, and so we talked about, uh, with Jamie, a lot of stuff of this year. Now, if, if you are new to this show, you should know that I interviewed Jamie uh, last year, uh, and we talked about... We talked about drugs then, too. That interview is going to be on uh, our YouTube page very soon, along with this one. So if you didn't hear last year's interview, definitely check that out, because that one we focused a lot more on ecstasy and sort of the myths of, you know, uh, pressed pills versus capsules and and uh, what drugs not to mix, uh, that sort of thing. This time, this year, we talked about um, impurities. So we talked about uh, mixing when when drug dealers or drug makers, let's call them chemists, amateur chemists, um, when they're making these drugs, they're often watering them down, so to speak, um, with other powders to make them easier to press into pills or just to save money. The, we also talked about uh, ketamine, which was really popular this year, perhaps more popular than ever. And we talked about the K-hole phenomenon. We'll find out what that is. And uh, we also talked about harm reduction and what that means and, uh, and much, much more. So let's just uh, get right to it. Here is uh, Jamie Macbeth from Anchors. Um, we're at Shambhala and we're talking here. Um, uh, Jamie's talking here about... Um, in, oh, about she's talking about here about inconclusive results. So some people are getting uh, went to get their pills tested, and the results came up like unknown. So they tested for ecstasy, they tested for ketamine, nothing came up. It was just an unknown substance. What's the deal with that? Are there are are the question is are there t- are their tests just crappy tests or what's going on? So here's Jamie Macbeth. So in our testing, we have come across a lot of unknowns this year or, or inconclusive. So yeah. to remind our, our audience. Um, <laughs> What we can test for is, it's not a purity test, it's a reagent test, so we can test for the existence of uh, MDMA, and if there's no MDMA, we can, or MDMA-like substance, we can test for ketamine speed, uh, 2CT group, like 2CT7, 2CI, 2CB, um, DXM, did I say ketamine? Anyways, yes. we can test for those. <laughs> yeah. um, and we can't test for, for purity. We can't test for anything else. Right. So if those substances don't show up, what we can say to people is, you thought you were buying ecstasy. It's not testing for anything we can test for. We recommend you don't take it. Right. Um, so what's happening a lot this year is stuff is showing up with very trace amounts or nothing at all. Right. And so people are feeling like the tests aren't working. But yeah. in actual fact... It could be piperzines. It could be a psychostimulant that doesn't show up on our radar, like Foxy. Um, Or it could be garbage, which I suspect uh, it's a lot of garbage. And why would it be garbage? Why would (laughs) dealers sell? Why would they do such a thing? (laughs) 
Well, despite that every dealer sells really pure shit. Right. Um, it is say. A- <laughs> Mine's the purest on so the market. So pure. It's pure MDMA. <laughs> uh, it's a capitalist industry, right? Yeah. And Chambla is very much a capitalist industry. People are here to make money. And so um, press pills in general tend to be less pure than caps. Because by merit of being a press pill, it, it has binder in it. Yeah. And then it's just so easy and tempting to put more stuff in. Um, and so at least about 38% of what we test is not what we test it for, right? right? So uh, it's like, you know, people want to make money and yeah. I, I think people are like making crap and selling right. it. Uh, and then just to uh, speak a little bit more broadly, um, how does this year compare to, to last year? Uh, are people, are there more overdoses? Are there less? Are they being more responsible, less responsible? What's your take? Well, actually, it's been a really great year, in, in my opinion, and I think in First Aid's opinions at Chambla. Um, less overdoses. Woohoo! So it feels right. it feels a lot more chill, yeah. and it feels like um, by Thursday and Friday last year, there had been something like 15 or 20 GHB overdoses, like eight intubations, people being rushed to the hospital. And I think... We've had, you know, four or five GHB overdoses. So GHB is our number one overdoser. Right. Now ketamine is ketamine is climbing up there. Ketamine is climbing. So ketamine yeah. is becoming more popular. It's oh. becoming more like yeah. the one that everybody's doing. Yeah, like even in the past three years, it was always ecstasy that everyone was doing. Yeah. And now it's, it's like different. everyone's wanting to mix now ecstasy and ketamine together, which yeah. is a bit terrifying. Why is that terrifying? <laughs> um, ecstasy is an upper, right? It has, it has meth or speed cut into it. And uh, ketamine is a disassociative, it's a downer, and yeah. so that's pretty confusing for your body. Right, um, for your hearts. And- yeah, you know, and uh, just just one, one of the deals at Shambhala is people just mix. They just mix like crazy, and so um, people lose track of how they feel. They lose track of their their grounding with their body, and so... Right, so whereas before on E, they could at least uh, maybe a little bit more feel like, okay, I've danced for an hour and a half straight without any, yeah, 15 hours without water, maybe I should have a seat and have yeah. a breather with ketamine, they're a little bit dissociated from their bodies and, and don't don't well, feel how they're feeling? At a low dose, ketamine is kind of hallucinogen and it's trippy and fun and light and people can still dance and have a good time. At a higher dose, as I'm sure you know, people will slip into a K-hole. Yeah. So the K-hole isn't the biggest party situation right, right? I don't it's, think that makes a, for light feet on the it's, dance floor. it's a surprising it's a surprising festival drug um, but there there's lots of k-holing and so uh, and and of course this year people are starting to mix alcohol with ketamine or mix GHB or mix oxys with ketamine or you know yeah. that, that kind of use and so it's just really sketchy because um, up plus down is dangerous, but down plus down is dangerous. So right, and uh, with ketamine, what is what is the risk? I think there's a general impression out there that it's it's like a veterinary drug, so it's oh. it's sort of more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ha ha! You scoff at that. Um, so so ketamine is used in dentistry. It's used in medicine. It's used in vet uh, vet medicine. Um, but the thing that people should hold is is especially at a festival like this. Um, ketamine is going to be coming from Vancouver, from Calgary, and en route, it's got eight hours each way, right? It's going to get cut. It's going to get cut. Again, it's a it's a business. So yeah. most ketamine is buffed, so that's something to keep in mind. It's what? Uh, buffed. It's, sorry, that's, a, <laughs> that's one of our terms. It means it's cut with something. Um, and you want to be careful because if you're taking high doses, you don't know what else you're taking, right? And, and uh, uh, buffing agents can be dewormer, can be 
you know, it can be pretty much any white powder, and, and you want to be careful with that. Um, and what about putting things in your nose? There's risks there too, no? Sure, sure. <laughs> and then I think the other thing is that, um, I mean, ketamine is injected, it's snorted and occasionally taken orally, but it, it is very psychologically addictive, it is. Um, for the people it works for, they really dig the K-hole and it can be psychologically addictive. And just, just and in so this... You mean, and you say psychologically versus, um, what, biologically or...? or... Um, well, well in, in addictions, there's kind of a, a couple different understandings. Like, some, like heroin or an opiate, right? Um, you will get physically ill physically where, where you get dope sick when, when, you're, you're, when you're coming down from the drug and you need more drug. Um, ketamine, you're not going to get physically ill, but your mind is going to want it. Yeah, you're going to miss the, the happy vibes that you had. Or the escape, or the no body, or whatever whatever right. it is that works for you, right? right, right, right. Um, and that's not all people. Not all people dig the K-hole, even. Um, it's, it's just a concern here, because <clears throat> so some of the risks with ketamine is that uh, you can barf, right? So if you're K-holing and you're folded in half or you're lying down, and you don't have a sitter, it's a really good idea to have a sitter when you're K-holing. Um, you could throw up and you can breathe that in or swallow it and choke on it. So that's a big risk. And then just down plus down is dangerous. And what we're seeing here is people will, will do um, acid and ecstasy for, you know, like 12 hours and then they'll start hitting K and it's just a lot for the body. Right. It's a big stress. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, let's back up a little and talk about uh, harm reduction. Um, I, I, would you agree that Shambhala's got a really good harm reduction, um, you know, te teamwork of, of the you know pill testing, uh, first aid? Uh, there's also a new thing this year, the the women's the uh, sexual assault team. Sexual assault mm -hmm. team. Tell the us women's about safe that. space. Yeah. Well, I I think at Shambhala we actually get to see harm reduction happen, which is awesome. Um, I think I think it's what uh, let me be careful with my words here. I think that uh, Shambhala was a small festival that grew very big. And in, in suddenly growing to a small city size, right, of 14,000 people, um, it changed. And now I think Shambhala is really trying to bring it back to more art and more artistic creation. And, and a little less away from the mythology of like, woohoo, party, party, party. party, party yeah. yeah, drug, 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 drugs. Right. And... Uh, <clears throat> The reality is, is drugs are done here, and a lot of drugs are done here. And so what is fantastic about the harm reduction team at Shambhala is we, we, we kind of joke and call it forage instead of triage, is we have uh, the sanctuary which does psychedelic counseling safe space for people. So if you're wigging out um, or having a bad, rea bad reaction to your drugs, you can go there and there's people to counsel you and talk you through it. There's an amazing first aid team, and like it's really just like a field hospital, right? Like the fact that people are intubating out here, it's just madness. Yeah. Um, we have our pill testing and condoms, and you know, uh, talking about dosage and overdosage and mixing at, at the anchors tent. And then this year we have a women's only sexual assault safe space team, and it's been a quiet year for them so far. But it's a really positive move to have it. Sexual assault is a hidden, quiet reality of festivals like Shambhala. And each year is different uh, for, for sexual assault, but it's a very uh, terrible reality that exists. And so it's great that that, that is up and running. Oh, and that's Jamie Macbeth. 
talking about harm reduction in practice at uh, Shambhala. By the way, that was Kiprios in the background playing at the Rock Pit um, for you there, in case you were wondering what that lovely music in the background was of that interview. Uh, thanks to Jamie once again, the second year in a row that we've spoken to Jamie Macbeth about drugs, which, um, which I think is really educational because let's face it people do these drugs and a lot of them don't know what they're doing and don't know why they're doing it they just throw things into their mouths and their noses and um and really could use um some information about you know what not to mix and what the effects are and what the long-term effects are so i'm always very happy to play play these interviews when i can so thanks to jamie for that um right and just to kind of um just to kind of uh, wrap up this this whole topic, I want to play a little clip from you uh, from a young woman who works at a fruit uh, m- milkshake uh, stand that was extremely popular in the festival. Let's have a listen. All right. So first of all, tell us your name. My name is Erin. Erin, and um, where do you work? I work in the fruit shake stand at Shambhala. And uh, how have you been enjoying it so far? I love it. I love fruit shakes, and I love doing them for people. What kind of fruit shakes do people get? What are most popular? Well, people like everything. Pretty much, uh, they go for the berry, and they like to add some crazy protein and stuff. They can yeah. add everything they love to add their own stuff, actually. Yeah. Okay. Now, tell me some, about some of these uh, additives. What are what are available? Well, for the long, for the beginning, we had a lot of pre and post e stuff, like so to prep your neurons and whatnot. Okay. Tell me about that. That's very interesting. It is very interesting, and you should ask my boss because he's the one that knows all about the actual chemical stuff. Sure. Um, but there are two kinds: one pre and one post. We or? had five HTP and trip to Ben for afterwards and we had uh, what did we have uh, L- L-theanine and one other one before to prep your neurons then one to like kind of help them chill out after Okay. but we ran out of that in like the first day the first yeah, day yeah 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 so you actually haven't been making those like no, now and yesterday no we made them a day and a half and then we were out oh my god <laughs> so now we're what pumping like multivitamins and uh, regular okay. stuff yeah. well, what does that tell you about people's habits uh, you know it, <laughs> it tells you what they're into I guess yeah totally I guess so right have you had a chance to check out any of the music or any of the stuff yeah two nights ago we went out for Danzig Danzig and it was so intense like it was out of yeah. control yeah what was the vibe like on the dance floor intense everyone was just so into the music like it wasn't even funny it was so cool have you been to Shambhala before this is my first year nice yeah nice. are you going to come back yes definitely hopefully to party not to work awesome and where are you from I'm from Summerland BC awesome thanks very much thank you bye wow Erin was very peppy about fruit shakes um, <laughs> maybe she was on something at the time something peppy fruit shakes she was high on fruit shakes at the time <laughs> Um, yeah, so that gives you an idea of, of the sort of culture out there. So they had a pre and post ecstasy milkshake with various um, uh, amino acids and, and chemical building blocks of, um, yeah, so that you can, one that you can do before you do ecstasy to get your um, brain <laughs> as ripe as possible. And then one when your brain is fried uh, to help your brain recover. But they ran out of those in the first uh, day and a half. So there, it kind of gives you, yeah, kind of illustrates it for you about um, about drug use out there. All right, we are quickly running out of time, but we still have one more interview that I really must play for you, and then we'll fade out with some some music from, from Bass Nectar. Um, here is uh, an artist by the name of Joshua James, who is based in uh, Victoria, but uh, was very happy to, to come to Shambhala and, uh, and perform uh, his set out there. And um, 
this interview is really, I think, apt because, it, again, it kind of cements uh, some of the themes we've been developing on the show about the, um, you know, about the openness and, and the energy of Shambhala. So um, without further ado, let's just get right to it. Here's Joshua James. And, uh, brake fluid at the beach again. Rock, it's so fresh and steady. I... What, what do you like about his, uh, his work, his, uh, his electro music? Well, Brick Fluid, you know, he's been DJing for many, many years, and his heart is there, and he wants to, and is, and and be, and, and becomes a DJ every time he steps up. And uh, it's really inspiring to know him over the years and see him on the beach, which is the greatest stage to play. I've played there a couple times. And I think so. Why, why is that one? What's so great about that one? The river's running through it, and you have an opportunity to connect um, with a view and with an energy that's uh, aligned with a beach. And a beach for everyone is a place of relaxation and a place of surrender. So you really have people in a very delicate spot, you know, uh, being on the beach, it's very comfortable to be there. So to play music there is, uh, is, a, is a gift because it's, uh, it's such a delicate place. And, uh, how, about, uh, how about Shambhala in, in general? What, um what is it? What does it mean to you? Is it just another gig? Is it? Uh, is it the ultimate gig? What, what is it? Shambhala is definitely the ultimate gig. The ultimate gig, no doubt about it. Um, if you live in Canada and you're a DJ, you most likely 99% of DJs would know if you said the word Shambhala. It's spread countrywide, um, continent-wide, and worldwide now, no doubt in anyone's mind. People come from all over. And it's a it's a global celebration of electronic dance music and and um, yeah it's really difficult to, uh, to put it in words isn't it? to put it in words but um, Shambhala to me is uh, Shambhala to me is a place where um, you don't have to be afraid of who you are. And there's many, there's not many places in the world that offer that um, experience for you just to like be your freaky self, be your wild, your theatrical, your um, whatever you want to bring in for your, for who you are. You can experience that here in a safe environment because everybody knows not to cross the line because it's not one of the places where you cross the line. It's one of the places you cross into another world and when you get into that world it's like nothing could go wrong and, and everything feels right as long as you stay in your heart I mean things have gone wrong but the overall vibration of Shambhala year after year after year brings joy and illuminates people's lives and then they take that out into the world and then look forward to this every year and every month of their life you know they'll most likely have a moment that brings them back to Shambhala and just to remember I was born here I was born in Shambhala 10 years ago. I, I was like a born-again really? dancing monkey that needed to release, get out of the box and yeah. celebrate sound. And then three years later, I got to play because my DJ career just caught fire because I started, de I started dancing before I started DJing. So it was a real uh, 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 serious connection with the tracks I was choosing and the, and the energy I was bringing behind the, the music. And I, I definitely recommend for all DJs to get their booties on the dance floor. And Shambhala is a place where you do see a lot of DJs on the dance floor. So right? 
definitely more than like in the club, you know. It's it's definitely Shambhala really breaks everyone open into just shaking your booty, you know. Is it almost like a DJ workshop in that respect, where DJs come to see and learn from other DJs? Uh, there's definitely a lot of mentorship that can be found here. If you're a DJ, you can come to Shambhala and be schooled again and again and again. And then there'd be sets where you're like not so impressed with, but. You know, I would say that could be educational too. That yeah, exactly. That could be inspiring. You could be like, "Hey, I should be playing that slot." And so many DJs would give. You know, I've heard the funny expression would give their left testicle to play shambhala. It's pretty gross, <laughs> grotesque. But uh, seriously, a lot of DJs would, and it's insane. Like, I just can't believe um, how many DJs want to play, and I can't believe at the same time. But it's such a a homegrown event that it really needs to stay local in a lot of realms and then go worldly. There's so many local amazing Kuni DJs and uh, BC DJs that it's hard to expand into too much. What do you What do you think of um, the people here? Uh, in, you know, you're talking about the the amazing vibe, the sort of the freedom to to be yourself. Um, as the festivals become bigger, there's been more of a sort of uh, raver type, you know, as as well as the sort of hippie free spirit type. Um, do you think that this, is that a detriment to the festival? Does it does it matter? Is it just another as another subculture to add to the mix? Where where do you where do you stand on that? Well, it definitely has a raver vibration. But anyone that comes here for more than one night and and sinks into it will realize that it's it's more than that and it's deeper than that. It's a place where people can come out of their cocoons and and a lot of dark places and expose that darkness and by exposing that darkness come through to a, a brighter existence and that can also be mixed with uh, uh, medicines I don't call them drugs but certain um, you know psychedelics in particular like mushrooms can really open you up to see something that you've never seen before that awakens you into a higher state of awareness in your everyday life and there's a lot of rap on Shambhala being like rave and ecstasy and all the, the rap around it. But a lot of people are in a place where they're experimenting with these medicines, where it's a safe environment, where you can really come out of your shell and, and feel safe and comforted and taken care of. And people really do take care of each other here, um, you know, as long as you follow your heart. And a lot of people here do that. And, and there's a really caring spirit about the journey. Because, I mean, there's such a bad rap on medicines, but... If you, like every year, you know, pick a good time to go to that place, it's a healthy thing. And most people will tell you that it's a healthy thing to refresh your 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 mind and, and your ability to think and, and what changing your perception a little bit will help you in your day-to-day tasks and make something a little more mundane look a little more uh, wonderful and, uh, and positive. It really brings that. So Shambhala's are really, it is a rave, but it's so many other... Um, so many other levels of uh, being and existing and uh, and coming to a greater state of awareness. Speaking of uh, medicines, what is full moon medicine? Uh, full moon full moon medicine is uh, um, um, has been quite a project for me as a promoter, and uh, I, w- I wouldn't even say promoter. I would say moon o- moon organizer. <laughs> Uh, the moon really guides me after 20 consecutive full and new moon gatherings in Victoria, BC. Um, that's like almost two and a half years, or 
a year and three quarters. I never imagined I'd take that kind of journey with uh, with gathering people once a month. It's a huge undertaking, and I took it on. I took the weight on it, but I had the weight of the moon to push through the the tasks that were, were could could cause stress for me sometimes. So. I started to realize that, oh my goodness, this is the best formula for uh, a, uh, someone that wants to organize dance events. Because as the new moon comes, it's a time for down-tempo, mid-tempo, planting seeds, and it's all gentle and sweet and soft. And, and at that time, when you celebrate and you dance on the new moon, you prepare yourself for the full moon, just like the plants and animals and all of the earth. It shifts its vibration on the full moon. So as the build to the full moon and life continues with so many things spiraling in, in your day-to-day tasks, if you align your grid, your, your, your day-to-day life, into that mode of energy, uh, aligning those two uh, calendars, so to speak, you're on the moon calendar, building up to those days just like the plants and animals do, you're kind of having a communion with nature. And uh, it's proven through these full moon medicines, I call them, because uh, it is a medicine if you dance on the full moon. It's proven, especially with the full moon, that it's just it's an absolute release. And we really encourage uh, no drug, no alcohol. And 90, 95 to 99% of people come sober because the, dancing on a full moon is medicine itself. And that's why I've continued this uh, epic journey in Victoria. And in fact, next week is full moon. Uh, Full moon is going to be White Eagle Hall, uh, and uh, the, the the mystery of dancing in the full moon continues. And I I, I feel really blessed to be a part of uh, that uh, intentional dance movement. Awesome. And um, now you've been known to sometimes tell stories uh, during your your, your sets. Uh, why do you do that? Not uh, not every not every DJ does that sort of thing. Well, I believe that DJing is, uh, if you're a DJ, you're a storyteller. And each track has a, a, a message. Like any book, it has a chapter. So as you play track to track, you pull, you read chapter to chapter. Or metaphorically, you listen chapter to chapter. And if you really um, embody the, the spirit of a storyteller, you're going to have parts in your DJ set where it's not all about the rhythm. It's It's more about a moment where... You can put in a vocal sample without the beat and let, um, let like uh, uh, the peak of a of a chapter be like this crescent, the climax. The climax. Yes, yes. Um, when you get to that point, or when I get to that point, sometimes, or when I'm building up to that point, I do get on the microphone and start weaving stories, and that is a uh, a gift through writing stories and, and performing them uh, alongside my music over the earlier years of my DJ career, about five years ago. So every so often I throw in a, a tale from the Wild West of uh, BC to Fino area, surfing waves and, and being poetic. DJing offers you any avenue to express yourself and the poetry and the story of of my life I like to weave in there because it uh, it represents who I am and I, I definitely feel like I've been brought to the earth to be a DJ because it's uh, an expression of uh, sound and, and 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 that love for sound brings me to 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 the highest place every time you know she's the best lover I ever had you know she's always there for me to lift me up no matter what you know? <laughs> awesome thanks very much yeah man thank you I appreciate it
And that's Joshua James speaking there. Uh, a couple of points I want to touch on from that interview. Um, one was that, that term medicines, you know, and, and again, it just goes to the point of, of how at Shambhala, you know, not for everybody, but for, for many people, it wasn't about like, let's do drugs, but it was like, these are medicines, these are aids that are available, you can use them, or you can not use them. And I know for personal, uh, from personal experience, there were, there were people who didn't do any drugs. The, they had completely sober nights and just got off on the music sometimes, you know, and that was totally, um, totally great too, you know. Uh, another point that is, is, oh, I asked a question of, uh, of Joshua there about uh, sort of ravers versus hippies, you know. So you have, there, there was a palpable sense of sort of two main camps at Shambhala, huh, camps, no pun intended there. Um, you know, the, the sort of dreadlock hippies, the, the Kootenai locals who, um, you know, who were there from the beginning of this festival, who started this festival, who are about, you know, um, spirituality and about the love of music and community. Um, together and sharing those those things together, and then you have the more sort of mainstream uh, raver crowd, you know, who are there to you know listen to some hard beats and do some hard drugs and um, you know and, and the style that goes with it, you know, the track pants and uh, and all that stuff. And so there there's a there's a feeling that these are two camps, and and there's as the festival gets bigger, this was the biggest year yet, right? There, there's a sort of question is like, are the ravers, as it gets bigger and more mainstream, is the more raving mainstream crowd going to sort of swamp the, the hippie uh, crowd? And hippie is a terrible word. I really shouldn't be using it. But you know what I mean. The more, the more earthy um, and community-minded people, um, would it sort of overtake them? And so anyway, it's a, you know, there's, I don't know if there's an answer to that. I mean, some people think that, um, that as the years go by, um, they are the, the they are getting kind of swamped. But actually, this year there was you could feel that there was a much more emphasis on the art. For example, there were more there was more art on the festival grounds, and there was more um, you know art was sort of one way to sort of like bring back some of that original spirit. Is like let's get the art in there. This isn't just about music and camping. Let's let's bring the creativity. Let's bring the let's bring the creative energy back on onto the the festival grounds. So so I think they're aware of it and they're conscious of it, and I think they they really do want to preserve it out there on on the grounds of, uh, of Shambhala. So um, normally we'd be out of time by now, but uh, we've actually we've got a bonus half hour, which is good because I've got plenty of content still still lined up. So it's very lucky that we've got um, an extra half hour to uh, spend with you here on the Arts Report. We're doing the Shambhala 2011 review special. Uh, we just heard uh, Joshua James, and I, see, I think it would be unfair if we didn't play a little bit of uh, Joshua James's uh, set from Shambhala. So um, let's hear it now. Oh, yeah, and this is, this is a, a remix. Well, let's just hear it. This is a remix of um, Buena Vista Social Club, I think. So let's hear it.
become a friend of CITR and receive great discounts at businesses around Vancouver. Your Friends of CITR card will get you discounts on Main Street at Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Woo Vintage, The Kiss Store, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, Red Cat Records, The Regional Assembly of Text, RX Comics, Temple of the Modern Girl, Flaming Angels Boutique, and The Wallflower Modern Diner. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, come visit us in room 233 of the Sub on UBC campus or visit us online at citr.ca. And we're back on the Shambhala Review Show here on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at citr.ca. Our podcast is going to go up in about an hour or so. If you've missed any earlier part of our program or just want to catch up on old episodes, um, we're about to start a new season. This is sort of a special one-off episode, but um, but uh, we're going to officially kick off uh, the 2011 12 season of the Arts Report in a couple of weeks, but there's tons of uh, great shows from from uh, our previous season online, and you can find them at um, at citr.ca. You just click under Shows, and then you click uh, Podcasts. And uh, we're also on iTunes, too, so you can just type in Arts Report in iTunes and find the same, the same episodes there. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about Shambhala, and we've, we've talked to artists, and we've talked to people on the street. Now, um, now there's one thing that was on the grounds that, uh, that I ran into, and it was a, a mini-golf, a mini-golf uh, station. And so um, I kind of sat down beside the, the dude um, administering this, this, uh, this mini-golf. Administering? That sounds kind of weird. Um, serving. Serving mini-golf? That's even worse. Anyway, <sighs> this... Providing? No. Like someone who's sort of like manning the station. Like someone who's... Managing? <laughs> running, running. Running the mini running. golf. He was <laughs> running the mini golf station. Thank you. There we go. We got there. It's a, you know, Shambhala withdrawal. You just got to... You just got to... needs a little extra patience, but eventually we'll get there. We'll get there. One step at a time, we will get through this Shambhala withdrawal together. Anyway, so um, so I, I wanted to share this story with you about the mini golf because it turns out it's um, it's a fundraiser for a skate park in Nelson. So it was an awesome cause, and uh, as you'll hear, um, has um, some in, has an intriguing character um, who made the the mini golf possible. So we'll let's hear from um, this first interview is with, uh, what's this fellow's name, uh, Rob Levesque. Okay, let's hear that one. All right, so it is Friday, and I'm here at Shambhala, and I'm sitting here with... Robert Guy, snowboard machine, Levesque. Nice. And you've got, uh, you've got your top hat, and you've got your wicked beard, and uh, you're in front, the, the noises we just heard behind us are from mini-golf. Can you tell us what's, uh, for, for audio listeners, uh, what, what we have here? What we have here is, uh, is a beautiful creation by my uh, genius friend, Dave Britton. So what it is, actually, it's a fundraiser for the Kootenai Lake Outdoor Skate Park Society. We, Nelson is actually sorely lacking in an outdoor skate park. Uh, you know, which is kind of strange because Nelson is such a... Uh, a progressive city. A, thank you. Progressive yes. city with the air quotes there. That's right. That's right. Um, so it's weird that they don't have one. It is very weird. Um, I don't even know what to say, man. Actually, the number one... The number one problem with it is land there's not a lot of available land and then there's a lot of, a lot of uh i guess you can say like old boy politics mm. or politicking that happens in nelson really? and, uh, yeah it's funny on some levels it's, it's a very progressive city but on others it's a little bit difficult 
In other ways, it's very uh, old school, old school politics. It can, it can be, yeah. A lot of uh, nudges on the golf course and, uh, oh, hey, Frank, uh, we're not going to let that happen, are we? No, Bill, don't you worry about that. <laughs> Is that where the mini golf idea came from, is kind of play their game? <laughs> well, the mini golf's just a way to raise money. So we, so actually, after a 10-year battle, we've been allocated land for the outdoor skate park oh, in Nelson. However, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Now we have to pay for it. So, right. so we're doing grant writing. We're you know doing all kinds of fundraisers, and uh, my buddy here, Dave, is uh, he's one of these uh, these kind of obscure geniuses, right? A little bit crazy, but but like I've seen I've seen he's like Dexter, but he doesn't kill people. So uh, he was he was gonna build a mini golf uh, in his yard, and I was like, Dave, we have an idea here. So um, I got I got all the the wood donated, and I turned them loose. Oh, and this so thing he is, built this. Yeah, yeah, and this thing is amazing. If you look at it, there's a castle and an old saloon. There's elevators and all kinds of. I mean, yeah, I mean, for mini golf, it's quite it's quite extravagant because you know to do it yourself, that takes considerable skill. You know, in terms of making sure the ball rolls in the right places and all that kind of. Thing. Absolutely, and he's the guy. He didn't let me down whatsoever. In fact, he told me when it was all done, he's like, you know what? I thought it would be good, but I didn't think it would be this cool. But I thought I was like, Dave, I knew. I knew. Nice. We got one one of the, the mini golf stretches has a slow can queen. Looks like a looks like an old school western hotel. Exactly. And that that's a tribute to the mining days and uh, like say Sandin and uh, you know the old West mentality that used to be here. Yeah. But then this mining one is actually actual replica. The, uh, yeah, it says War, War Eagle, Eagle Mine. Is actually I believe it was a mine in, in Rosslyn, I believe is what it was. Okay. And then while well, the castle, you know, what can we say about the castle? We're going way back. Right. That one's that one's very old school. It's just a very simple design for the castle. Very nice, very nice. So, um, what is it? What are your goals? What are you? How much are you hoping to raise and all that kind of stuff? Well, you know, this is really big with the fourteen-year-olds. So, uh, <laughs> we 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 did the Starbelly Jam a few weeks ago, and that was like the Beatles. Man, we literally had to like you'd be very organized to keep the kids back because kids, you know, take over. Sure. So, so we did really well. We're doing okay now. I'd, we we would hope to make at least a thousand bucks, maybe maybe more. You know, nice. we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, and what's in it for for people other than making children's dreams come true? What enjoyment? Who doesn't Enjoyments. like mini golf? Are there prizes or that sort of thing? There is, there is. So there's a whole scoring sheet. Uh, oh, okay. Ten is the 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 record for strokes. Thirteen is second place. Uh, so if okay. you can if you can place in the top, say four, perfect. You can walk away with a prize. Perfect. Well, thanks very much. Oh, thank you. And that was the the snow machine, apparently, uh, there, Rob Levesque. And um, right beside him there, when I did that interview, was David Britton, the man who actually built this thing. And this guy, seriously, if you could see what he constructed with his bare hands, he made a miniature mine with, like... Everything you, you could, he actually popped open the roof for me and showed me, like showed me the bits inside the mine. Another one was uh, a castle. Well, anyway, you'll hear about it. Let's let's hear from uh, let's hear from David Britton. Here at the the mini golf, and I'm standing with David Britton. And uh, David, you uh, you created this. Yeah, well, I kind of had a vision to do something like this, and I mentioned it to my buddy Rob, and he's like, dude, that'd be such a good fundraising thing, eh? So, uh, Have you ever built a mini golf? Uh... Uh, no, I haven't built a, a mini golf before. It's just an <laughs> idea I came up with, but uh, I'm, I'm an artist and a carpenter, so I do lots of things like this. That's You're why it's so elaborate. Building things, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which one of these is your favorite? 
Uh, well, I guess that would have to be the, the castle over here. Okay, you, tell us, can you describe what we have in front of us here? Yeah, well, you start from the tee-off spot and you have to hit it approximately the uh, eight feet up a ramp and into a breach in the castle wall. <laughs> and then you uh, see the castle's under siege, eh? Yes, And then is. you uh, pull on this handle here and uh, it raises the elevator oh and the ball gets up to the top and comes out and you see it rolling in, in an intricate path through right the different the windows wall. and stuff yeah through these windows then it comes okay. out the door and drops down eventually it opens up the door of the castle over the moat really? and that's hole number eight that allows you to to take the castle like in the last shot eh, in hole that number eight that is incredible eight. and when you built this did you, were you just, did you just sort of improvise did you just build like design as you go or did no. you draw it all out beforehand Oh, I drew a, a couple of them out beforehand, but uh, as I went, as usual, I usually I go over the top on everything I do. I, I start something with an idea, but then that idea transforms as well, I'm going and becomes gets a life of bigger. itself well, almost. Yeah, exactly, life of its own. Well, that makes me curious. What's uh, what are some notable uh, inventions or, or uh, constructions you've made over the years? Uh, well, actually, most people's favorites was uh, you would have had to see my my house I had in Calgary before I moved to the the blessed Kootenays here. <laughs> but I used to throw big Halloween parties. Eventually, I started uh, charging because people told me like these are just the most awesome right. things. And uh, we built a school in the Sudan is what I'm always doing some kind of charity stuff like that, trying to use my talents in that way. But uh, I used to totally turn my house into a giant haunted house. Everybody's favorite was I built a bookcase over my basement door. I took off my basement door, built a bookcase. Just like in the movies, it's like you could pull out all these different books and oh nothing God. would happen. But yeah. if you chose the right book, the it would release a mechanism which would open the bookcase. You'd go down, there's a wall sconce with a, a candle like torch in there and all of these... Uh, vines and it's just oh like a God. path going down and when you get down there there's a grass hut in the corner that has uh, a, uh, a hot tub and uh, a pond with a waterfall it's yeah. my uh, serenity grotto sort right, of thing right. a Polynesian grotto mm -hmm. eh? then there's a stage and like just the, the whole place was done up it looked like some kind of fancy Mexican bar but That's there's amazing. all kinds of crazy odds and ends that I make just for special people that just, just notice this sort of stuff. Eh? Most yeah, people, everybody appreciated it, sure. but there's always people that notice one detail and they say, wow, man, I mean, I thought you were like whack or crazy cool or whatever, and then I saw that and it's like, <laughs> you're just like, wow, dude, over the top. Man. That's awesome, and why do you do that? Is that just a way to kind of make it fun, make life fun for yourself? Or what yeah, is it? I don't know. I just, I kind of like to challenge myself yeah. and you know, come up, I like to uh just it's and in my parties I used to always have yearly all the time eh? and uh, everybody that came to, to these big bashes I had expected more every time it's like because part in a way I put myself like this they know Dave yeah. and they know it's like okay he's gonna do even better this year it's gonna be even more so the expectations that right. people put on, I put on myself sure, and other sure. people put back on me yeah, you have and to so yeah year. exactly I'm totally in competition with myself <laughs> to try and better or whatever I did yeah, before, sort of before. thing. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, great work. Thanks, thanks for sharing it yeah, with no us, problem. Yeah, well, thanks a lot Cheers. for coming and everything, man. <laughs> Cheers. There you go, and that's David Britton. And uh, those two interviews really ep epitomize, are the epitome for me of, of that community spirit. You know, like people building things for one another, raising money, and... Um, 
and throwing awesome parties for one another. And, and that really, as a city slicker, that impressed me, that, that community spirit that they have out there in Nelson, which was awesome. Okay, we're going to take a quick PSA break, and uh, we're going to play some music, a little piece of live sets from uh, Skrillex and RD and Bass Nectar, um, all of which uh, performed on the last night of, of Shambhala. So stay with us. Bond. James Bond. Got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? You talking to me? You talking to me? I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Plastics. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Just a sweet transvestite of... Where else can you see Hollywood blockbusters, midnight cult classics, indie films, live music, burlesque, stand-up comedy, poetry slams, and live sporting events all at your local theater? The Rio Theater voted number one in East Vancouver, your neighborhood indie theater that promotes all things cool. This month, catch Cowboys and Aliens from the 1st through the 11th, a Harry Potter retrospective the 15th through 17th, Lots of zombies on the 21st, and awesome midnight movies every Friday. For more information, go to riotheater.ca. And we're back on the Shambhala Review special here on the Arts Report. And uh, next I want to play uh, another little quick Streeters interview. This is with a young woman named uh, Kayla, who was, um, I believe she was in line, uh, standing in line for, for uh, the porta potty That's where I pounced on her and said, hey, can you do a radio interview? Uh, and I, I picked her in particular because she was wearing this really funny, fluffy hat thing on her head, which uh, a lot of people, both guys and girls, had this big, fluffy, poofy, furry hat on their heads. It was one of the most popular accessories at Shambhala. So I had to ask her, what is that thing on your head? So here's Kayla. Uh, first of all, tell us your name. Kayla. Uh, tell me what you're wearing on your head. Um, a scooty. What is a scooty? It's like a hat and a scarf all at once, and it's got cat ears, so I feel a little bit like a kitten. <laughs> nice, nice. And how's been your experience so far? Really good. I'm a, I'm a Shams Verge, so it's been a really Verge good time. First yes, year? first year, first year. And what's the biggest highlight? What's the biggest thing you take out of it? Uh, honestly, just like the people. It's so good to know that there's this many people who love music as much as I do. Nice. All right, thanks very much. You're welcome. There you go. Kayla's wearing her scooty, which is a scarf with uh, ears and uh, is fur- generally furry. A big popular thing. Another big popular thing were these um, sandals made of rope. And uh, so the thing that, that sort of wraps around your foot and keeps the sandal to connect to your foot is like rope, strands of, of, of rope. It's made of rope. Can I just say rope one more time? Rope, rope. And uh, they were awesome, and I ended up buying some. They were 40 bucks, and because they, they had a market. This is another thing at Shambhala. They had, it's like a city, man. There's food stalls. You can buy dinner. You can buy organic coffee and Indian food, and then go to the store and buy a hemp-based shirt or, or sandals made of rope. It was, it was just great. I tell you, it was great. I want to go back. <laughs> But I can't. I can only remember the memories. So to help us remember the memories, here is uh, an artist by the name of R.D. who played in the living room on uh, the last night of Shambhala, the Sunday night.
And that's a little bit of R.D. playing in the living room, which is like a sort of beach, beachside um, venue over at uh, Shambhala. So, yeah, so then, then came Sunday, and, uh, which was the big blowout, and uh, I spoke to a young man by the name of Sina, and, um, and we talked about um, what, he was, uh, what he was looking forward to. Um, but um, we're just getting that clip, clip ready for you, but uh, I, have a, I have a few, I have a fact in front of me, which was... Um, about greater enforcement. And uh, one thing, sort of the word on the street, was that this year there was less um, extreme uh, activity. So I'm referring to basically ODing. There was less of an attitude of like, let's get really mangled, man, and sort of doing as much of everything as you can and just getting really effed up. Um, there was a there was a sense among among regular folk that that it that wasn't as big of a deal this year, which um, which Jamie uh, Macbeth from Anchors can kind of confirmed. Uh, she saw that from harm reduction point of view that there was there were less ODs uh, less ODs happening at this year's festival, and she said in in our interview earlier in the show that part of that was greater enforcement and. Um, and I have a little factoid that just uh, on Sunday, one example on Sunday is uh, police uh, nabbed a guy that had 2,000 um, ecstasy, ecstasy pills on him and, uh, and, and more of other drugs too. And um, yeah, so, so it, does, it does make a difference. So, uh, but anyway, let's speak to uh, Sina hear what he had to say. With Sina? Sina, tell us what you're wearing for radio. Uh, it's a little bit of funky gear. Got a nice button-up vest, funky hipster beater. <laughs> Did you get that at the hipster store? Oh yeah. Um, covering it all with a flannel top, yeah. so I got the whole hipster getup going. Is this your first year, Shambhala? This is my second year. Um, I'm uh, gonna be a frequenter of this event. A frequent flyer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what have been your highlights so far of this festival? Wow. Well. Um, come for the music but it's always the people you know yeah Stuff. what do you mean by that well the people i come with my friends and just other people around even though i'm not if i'm not exactly interacting with them they're putting out the vibe so <laughs> and what vibe is that <laughs> love <laughs> awesome what are you gonna do tonight it's the last day it's the it's the big blowout right oh, yeah well you gotta go all out it's the last day. So what does that what does that mean to you? What does going all out mean? Ooh. <laughs> rocking out hard. I've already lost my voice from the last two days. Yeah. I don't know what else I'm gonna lose tonight. <laughs> hopefully hopefully not your dignity. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Thank you, sir. Sina there, uh, telling us about losing it all in Shambhala, and, and people people did, and they partied late into Monday. And then uh, Monday, we had to uh, get out, and there was only one road in and out of the uh, farm there in Salmo. So uh, as an example myself, um, we got in the car, I think it was at 11. We packed up at 11 o'clock in the morning, the tent... And uh, all the all the food in the cooler, we we had a we had a huge um, flat of red rave, which we didn't end up drinking. So we put it up on the street and wrote free on it. It was gone in about five seconds. About no, actually minus five seconds. I was still holding it in my hand, and I'm like, 
here, I'm writing the letters free, and then one guy's like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a free Red Rave. Oh, yeah. And, and like vultures, like three or four people uh, swooped in and took uh, the free stuff. People love free stuff. What can I say? And uh, anyway, so we packed up at 11, and we sat in uh, traffic uh, for two hours in um, moving a few meters per minute um, until we got onto highway number three. And then we, uh, it was a beautiful day, hot and sunny, and we um, headed west on Highway 3. There was a road check, and there was police looking at, um, at, uh, at people's eyes and checking it to see if they were uh, keyholing. Because <laughs> one thing you can't ever do is keyhole and drive. That's just a very bad idea. So all they do is kind of look in your eyes, and, and they're like, Hi, did you have fun? <laughs> and then, depending on how you respond... They either say, all right, we'll drive safe, or if you're like, uh, 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 <laughs> and they say, pull over, young man. But uh, we left un- unmolested, unharmed, um, and drove for uh, about eight, eight and a half hours back into the city and, uh, and had to get on with the rest of our lives. So... Speaking of getting on with the rest of our lives, it's time to get on with the rest of CITR's schedule. But um, thank you for being with us uh, for this hour and a half of uh, celebrating uh, Shambhala 2011. It has helped me deal with my Shambhala withdrawal. And if you went to Shambhala, I hope it's helped you with your withdrawal. And uh, we're going to leave you um, with a track, or not a track, but uh, a clip from Bass Nectar, uh, who was a huge um, sort of um, destination at Shambhala. Everybody was, was uh, a lot of people were geared up to go to see uh, Bass Nectar perform on uh, the Sunday night. And from Twitter, apparently, he had a blast as well. And he said so on the stage, actually. He said, like, this is one of the, like, the best things that I do. And I can't wait to come back, he said, which really got the, the, the crowd excited. All right, so um, thanks to Anna, as always, for making this show possible with the board there in front of me and uh, bearing with my Shambhala fried brain for this hour and a half. And uh, so here's some bass nectar and uh, join us next week on another edition of the Arts Report.
tired of spending your hard-earned money on CDs?